everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. Good morning, good morning, and I guess I'm the second or the third person, uh, but I want to wish you a happy new year. I know it's not official, but it will be before the, um, the week's over. Uh, um, I asked Debbie if she had a mint, and she gave me one about the size of a golf ball. So I, if you hear something rattling, it's me trying to navigate this message and a mint in my mouth, so forgive, forgive me for that. Hey, just before, just before we begin, I want to just take a moment and pray for two individuals, uh, actually a family. Uh, uh, Pat Schultz passed away that late this week. Uh, she's in her late 80s, and we knew her and Jean for so many years here. I mean, we're talking way back to the 50s, I believe, that that family began attending our church and lived in the neighborhood. And of course, Jean was a World War II veteran, and, and we had his memorial here within the last year. And then Pat, around midnight, I think it was on Thursday, uh, she passed away, and I had the opportunity to spend some time with her before she before she graduated into the presence of the Lord. But I just want to pray for the family as they try to navigate through some plans. And then also uh, George, who, George Corey, who serves as our, uh, an elder here. He and Terry are so faithful in, in so many ways in our congregation, great family. But George had a little thing with his heart this week, some AFib, and, and they're doing some tests on Monday. And I just want us to pray for just a divine strength. I like that song. Um, what was it? Way, uh, faith, uh, let faith rise up, O heart believe. I just was praying for uh, George, who obviously we love, and uh, he's, he's doing well, but they just, and, and the neat thing is, is when these things happen, they get you in the hospital, then you get all the tests that normally take a few weeks to get, right? So we're really excited and really believing God for a good report on Monday as they do just do some further testing of the heart and such. But uh, um, you may be at a place where you just need that faith to rise up and for your heart to believe, you know? Sometimes faith, we see it as a gift that the Holy Spirit gives us, uh, and sometimes we have to speak to our heart, our emotions, our soul and say, would you please help me believe in what I know is true, and that is that God loves and cares for us. So let's just pray. Father, first of all, we just lift up the Schultz family, and we pray for peace for them, and, uh, and just uh, uh, your presence during their season of grief. Thank you for Pat's wonderful, long life, Lord, and the blessing she was to us and to so many in her family especially. We just ask you, Lord, to give them your presence and, again, your, your peace supernaturally, even this week as they plan uh, a memorial and all that's involved there. And, Lord, we also lift up our brother, George Corey, and we uh, just, Lord, agree in faith, believing today, God, that you would uh, do something even supernatural uh, in his life, Lord, and that heart would be strengthened and that the reports would be good, Lord. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. And Lord, any others who carry in today a, a burden and a need, and, uh, and uh, they, they're, they're reaching, and we need to reach out in faith, Lord. And uh, Lord, we speak to our hearts even now to align ourselves with the love of the Father and his goodness over our lives, Lord. And uh, we believe for a breakthrough, even in this season, for our individual needs, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can you just bring this down just a hair? Because I'm going to start shouting in a moment. No, I'm kidding. But it's a little hot. Thanks. Okay, so uh, uh, it is a happy new year. It's a first year, first, uh, but not just a new year. We are beginning a new decade. And I think the older we get, or at least the older I get, I don't measure in years as much as I measure in decades. I remember in the decade of my 20s, 
Debbie finally slowed down long enough for me to marry her. And then as we hit literally my, my, thir- my 30s, and I guess it would kind of be my beginning of my fourth decade, that'll mess you up, right? Uh, but uh, we moved here to Madison when I was 30 years old with, with a five-month-old baby in tow. And uh, we were just new parents, and that five-month-old baby uh, turned 30 the other day, and we had a party for her. And so, wow. So you see what I'm saying? It's like, uh, I remember that decade. Just don't go back a year. You remember uh, your, your resolutions that you had in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. And, uh, and my brother Tim's here today, and he's, he's paving the way into, into our 60s because he's a couple years older than me. And uh, this, these are exciting times, but, you know, we love to make New Year's resolutions. And there's this, there's this one phenomenon, and we call it the, the 60, the six, hey, who did that? The 68 phenomenon. Uh, uh, and I think this is interesting because... Uh, what you have is 60% of us admit that we make New Year's resolutions, but only 8% of us uh, are successful in achieving them. So don't get discouraged. Uh, I just made that up, but it is kind of a phenomenon. You think that number would be a little, uh, that'd be a little more encouraging, wouldn't it? Like 60-20 or... 6015, but anyway, we haven't hit double digits, those of us who, but that doesn't stop us. That's what the, 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 the statistics show that regardless of whether we achieve our previous resolutions, we make new ones. And I just love New Year's uh, resolutions. I love the beginning of New Year's because I like new seasons. I like new opportunities to, um, to uh, surrender my will to God's will and say, Lord, what do you want to do in my life, in the life of our church, uh, in the life of uh, our, our friends and family? And so New Year, uh, New Year beginnings are great. Okay, so here's 19, uh, 2019 had this for the top 10 resolutions, okay? Diet or eat healthier, that was number one. Exercise more, does this look familiar? This, I looked at one of my messages from 2010, and these are almost identical, all right, from uh, 2010 resolutions. Lose weight, save more, and spend less. Uh, that one, I think, said get out of debt. We've given up on getting out of debt. We just want to uh, uh, save more and spend less. Learn a new skill or, or hobby. Quit smoking, read more, find another job, drink less alcohol. Hall, spend more time with family and friends. So that's what over a thousand or two thousand people polled. This is what they they kind of locked into last year. Now there'll be a new list this year. It'll probably look identical. All right, uh, good list. Nothing wrong with these these goals, are there? I can't see any. But uh, what what you'll notice, most people aren't uh, including anything of a spiritual nature. And we're in church this morning, so that's what we get to talk about, right? We're with the people of God. We're with those who have, uh, have surrendered themselves, most of us here today, probably to the Lordship of Jesus. So we would, if I were to ask you, you know, what, what are your top 10? You say, I like that one, that one, that one. But you'd, you'd add some, wouldn't you? They'd probably have to do with your, your relationship with the Lord and your love for the Lord. Um, in James chapter four, I like this scripture. Now, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He is an early leader in the in the beginning of Christianity in the, the church in Jerusalem. He was a leader there in the council at Jerusalem. And he wrote a letter, and we love it, and it's just called James, okay? And it says, I like in chapter 4, he says, listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go uh, to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow, James says. What is your life? You are a mist or a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, 
if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. I like that, don't you? That's kind of how we think as followers of the Lord. Um, we, we know that there's life before us. We don't know how long it is. Uh, we, we trust that we, we get in our 75, 85, or whatever years, but we don't know. And we've come to realize uh, in Christ that this, this side of eternity, life is like a, like a mist. We had a, a fog. It was the other night, I believe it was, or the other morning. We've had that warmer temperature here in December. And so sometimes you can hardly see ahead of you. And that's kind of what life is. It's it could be here, and then the sun could take it away. It could be gone in a, in a moment's notice. There's a passage of Scripture that I just want to linger on just for a few moments this morning. And it's, it's found in Paul's letter uh, to, the, to the church at Ephesus, chapter 5. If you have your Bibles or your smartphones, you're welcome to scroll over there. But uh, chapter 5, just verses 15 and 17. And here's what it says. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days, they're evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, we're dropping right in here. They didn't have chapters when the Bible was written. They didn't have verses. But if you were to look at this letter, this brief letter, very powerful and uh, fruitful and informative letter that Paul writes to, uh, to Timothy, who's uh, ministering or he's writing at Ephesus and Timothy is likely the pastor there. And he's giving these instructions and, and he's giving some really deep uh, insights and understandings and thoughts and, and, and directives. In fact, if you were to go a few verses higher, he's laying it all out. He's telling us what to avoid and how to uh, uh, rid ourselves of some of the darkness and brokenness that's all around us. And then he just, he just, that statement, be careful then how you live. Three things I want you just to see here. And that is this, that the first thing, Paul's saying that Life has a shelf life. He didn't say it. I said that. But life has a shelf life. Be careful how we live because our life is limited. That's what Paul is saying in that, in that first phrase there. Opportunity, like I said this week, to go and to, to pray for, for, for uh, Pat Schultz. And she was not very coherent. And she is just feeling physically kind of uh, out of it. But yet, yet you could sense there was some stress and just praying peace for her and, and, uh, and, and not being, you know, anxiety and maybe a lack of clarity, but recognizing all of our lives have an ending point and all of our lives have a shelf life. How can you and I best steward the days that the Lord has put before us? How can we, uh, how can we uh, utilize to the best of our potential and for the blessing of the Lord, the days and the hours and the, and the, and, and the time that we have in front of us? Uh, the days of of, and I think of this often when, when, when we look at where we're at now and what we want to see at the end of this year. And again, what we want to see at the end of this, this decade, the psalmist said it this way. He said, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. Now, he's asking for some insight into, in, into what's ahead. You have made my days a, a, a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as, as nothing before you. Look at this last line. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. That kind of brings it in perspective, doesn't it? Even those of us who we sense a security, it's still just a passing. And again, we don't know our future, but in Christ, we do know that there's a brevity to life. 
And I guess my prayer for all of us today is that as we enter into this new season, there would be a sense of urgency and that we would, uh, we would, we would pray that, that God would, would use our lives in such a way uh, that, that there's a, almost a, a supernatural productivity, that we would be his blessing to those we come in contact with. Our time on earth is valuable because it is limited. And uh, especially those of us who, who understand our relationship with the Lord, we're of great value for him and his kingdom and all that we can do for Christ's sake. Now, here's another point I want you to see, and that is uh, we, we live with a purpose. We, we live with a purpose. Paul says we must make the most out of every opportunity. Uh, he gives us reason because the days are evil. Uh, so don't be, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We know that the enemy in, in the scripture, there is an enemy. Um, uh, I think we touched on it earlier in the month. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul identifies the adversary as principalities and powers in dark places. We know that Jesus was addressing Satan in the wilderness. So there is, there is the dark side. Some of you saw Star, Star Wars when it came out here recently. And there really is a dark side of this world that's, uh, that, that's bringing, uh, uh, bringing evil and, and, and trying to tear down Christ's testimony for sure. And, and so that's, that's a real thing. Now, Here's what I think we, we need to know is that, that uh, as, as Satan comes and as Jesus says, as a thief, one who tries to steal and to kill and destroy, that, that we need to, we need to uh, uh, steward our lives in such a way. We, we, we can waste a lot of time when we're caught in sin. Maybe it's addictive behavior. You know, maybe it's something that just wears us down and a year goes by, a few years, sometimes a decade of of. of of, of addictive behavior, and it's, it's tearing down our lives and those around us. And, and there's also those, those behavioral uh, shortcomings that we see. It's an attitude. It's our tongue. It's our gossip. It's our lovelessness, our lack of compassion. And, and, and sin and brokenness is just that. It's sin and brokenness. It comes in all kinds of shapes and all kinds of sizes. And we need to live with a purpose in, this, in these days ahead. Uh, and, and, and also, what, what, what sin does in our lives is it, it brings like a worry, a constant worry of the consequences of what happened when we were in a cycle of addiction. It, it causes us to worry about what our attitude or action or how we hurt somebody, what will the consequences be? So we just get trapped in this, uh, in this pit, so to speak, uh, concerning our, uh, our life. And, and God wants to see us free from that. He wants to renew our purpose in the days ahead. And uh, Satan is a thief. He does love to rob, but, but, but sin, uh, sin has a, a place in God's economy to be destroyed, to be done away with through the cross and through the power of what Jesus has done in our lives. Uh, we don't have to be entrapped by it. And we know that. And we, 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 we preach that. We live that. We declare that on Tuesday nights at Celebrate Recovery and Wednesday nights in all of our children's ministry and our connect groups throughout the week and on Sunday mornings that... You know, uh, sin is the disease and Jesus is the, is the cure. And we're, we're thankful for that in our lives. But, you know, sin's not the only enemy. Sometimes it can just be what happens to our time. Uh, sometimes even 
the good in our lives can be a detour. And I'm reminded of the story of, of Jesus going to the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And they go, he goes in there to just hang out, to fellowship, maybe to have some time of teaching. And before long, it's meal time. And, and Martha is preparing the meal, you know, feverishly, doing the things that have to be done to have a, a meal. And, and Mary's just parked at Jesus' feet. And just relaxing there and enjoying his presence and the relationship and the depth of his, his words. And, uh, and Martha gets pretty upset. I'm sure she's thinking, Mary, you lazy bum, would you get in here and help with, with, with the breakfast? My brother Tim took over my kitchen yesterday. And that was kind of fun because uh, I usually do that on events, but he just kind of really gifted in the kitchen and he came in and, and uh, he was burning the bacon and all kinds of cool stuff. And, and, uh, and I just played Mary. And uh, one of my son-in-laws thought that, you know, I was, I was maybe a little upset, but I, I think I was just enjoying sitting at Jesus' feet and, uh, and as, 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 as Tim played uh, Martha. And, uh, and it was, and sometimes we, sometimes we, uh, uh, sometimes we just get so caught up, even though the work is, is good that we're doing, but we miss the bigger picture. And here's what it is. You're familiar with this scripture, and I never get tired of this scripture there in Luke chapter 10. Lord, don't you care, Martha says, that my sister has left me to do the work by, by myself? Tell her to help me. That's an exclamation point. Tell her to help me. All right, and Mary, Martha, Jesus, double Martha's Martha here. Martha, Martha. That means, listen, Martha. Not, you're not, this isn't a one Martha moment. This is a double Martha moment, okay? Martha, Martha, Jesus answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Isn't that good? I like that translation. Only one thing is needed. Of course, their stomachs were going to be hungry. Somebody had to do the prep. Somebody had to prepare the meal. But in the bigger picture, only one thing is needed. And Mary chose what was right. But doesn't that speak volumes into your heart, it does to mine. We're looking at a whole new year. We're looking at a whole new decade. Only one thing is really going to be needed. When uh, in, in July of 2020, I'm sorry, July, in December, uh, the last Sunday in December or December 31st of 2029, there's, you look back, only one thing was really needed in, this, in the decade to come. And that is that we find a place and a space and a posture in the presence of Jesus Christ. Man, thanks, Felipe, it is. Because Jesus said it, right? Amen, amen. I know others, I know he spoke for you. I know that, yeah, that is good. That was all of you, but he beat you to it, okay? And I understand that. We're northern parishioners. We're, we're quiet. We're, we're the frozen chosen up here. Although this feels more like Florida this morning, doesn't it? I walked out with all that rain and I, it reminded me of some smells I've, I've smelled in, in Florida in January, you know, where there's a rain. It's like, this is unusual. Snow and five below smells different than this today. And uh, I'm not complaining. All right. That white Christmas stuff, that was a great song, but it's overrated. <laughs> Only one thing is needed. Priority one. Purposeful living begins at the feet of Jesus. Purpose-filled living begins at the feet of Jesus. If you take nothing else with you this morning, write that one 
write that one down. And it's, it's a process. You don't wake up tomorrow as an official, you know, feet of Jesus sitter. I mean, I think you have to just kind of, we have a whole decade to perfect this. All right, that's my encouragement to you today. There is a, a doctor, medical doctor, who wrote a book, Richard Swenson, and he revealed one of the major maladies of our time is anxiety and stress. Anxiety and stress, and he calls it overload. And he says that people are just plain overloaded. And here they are. We're overloaded with commitment. We have so many things happening, so much on our calendar that it's causing stress and anxiety. We're overloaded with possessions. Our closets are full. Our garages are full and overflowing. We've gone into debt to pay for all of these things that we simply must have. We are overloaded with possessions. Don't you kind of love the idea of that new movement, uh, minimalist? My wife bought a book the other day. She's going to read it to me at night, and I'm heads on the pillow. We're going to probably start to, it's good. It's a good thing sometimes to just uh, minimalize, okay? We're overloaded in the area of work. We get up early. We fight traffic, and thank God for jobs. We experience intolerable working conditions in some cases, all to pay for the possessions. Wow, how about information overload? Oh, my goodness. Be careful. Be careful, church. I love the internet. I love the Google. I love all kinds of stuff. But after a while, I'm not sure our brains can handle all the information we're taking. And sometimes it's good. Hey, it's going to be good this year in 2020. Just unplug. To cut the wire, not literally. Just, just to unplug, pull back, hide the phone. Have your spouse or your friend or somebody hide your phone for a few hours or a few days. Uh, you know, between the internet and social media, information over, I've met more people that have, they're going through anxiety and stress because somebody that they know is having more fun than them in a warm place by a beach somewhere, drinking some fruity drink or whatever, you know. Seriously, you guys know what I'm talking about. We just, we live in a very unique time and I believe God is calling his people to steward ourselves and to, uh, and to see our lives and the time that God gives us in this, in this season, this stretch of time, to steward it well and to think about uh, and how we can, how we can unplug or, or, or back off a little bit or unload <laughs> uh, uh, to undercommit in, in seasons. And we love those who help and, 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 you know, it may mean having to cut back here at church a little bit. It may mean having to cut back you know, and your relationships at school or whatever. But let's think, take that to heart. This is how we're going to be more healthy as we, um, as we navigate through the coming year and, again, the decade. So, uh, finally, and I just want to invite the worship team to come. I just want to give this last point to you, and that is, I love it. It's, uh, it's understanding his heart, understanding the Lord's heart. And I, I think that's what we find the end of Paul's, this two sentences, keeping this in context, these two sentences there in this letter where Paul says, therefore do not, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will, what his, what his will is. And, and don't we all want that at the end of the day? Don't we all want to understand how his heart is beating, what his pulse is, what, where he's leading? Uh, uh, I, I, that scripture that says that, you know, his yoke is easy, his, his, his burden is light, because the picture there is we are yoked to Jesus Christ. 
We don't see a lot of oxen yoked together, walking side by side in the field. We have John Deere's doing that. But imagine in the day when, when and, and this, what this scripture is saying, you're yoked to Jesus, but he's the lead ox. He's the one that's taking us, leading us, preparing the way, going before. And we just kind of walk right alongside him. We're safe in his leadings, in his directive in our lives. And that's, that's, the, that's the takeaway for sure. Uh, understanding his heart, understanding what the Lord's will is. Uh, what do you think God's will is for, for your life this year? The days ahead, the years ahead. What do you think God's heart is? Do you think he wants your mind to be saturate, saturated with all the worries and anxieties that swirl? Uh, do, you, do you think he wants your calendar to be so crowded you don't have time for important things? What do you think God's will is for your life this year? I want to know what that is. And, it, you know, it may take a few weeks or months. Maybe just get before the Lord here in January and just say, Lord, I want to understand what your will is. You know, as, as, as I'm careful to live in a wise way, uh, making the best of every opportunity, because the days are dark all around us. Lord, I want to be wise. And I want to understand what your heart is and what your will is for my life. Two simple, basic life, and I say basic, life-changing points. And it's found in Christ's great commandment. He was being pressed by the religious leaders of that day. And they said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, here it is. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So here's, here's the heart of the Lord for you and I. Just start here and it may... It may branch off into a lot of ways in the coming months, the coming years, but start right here. Let's love God with all of our heart. Let's take 2020 and love him like we've never loved him before. I, I want that. I want that for you. I think it'll affect my decisions and my scheduling, my relationship with others. It will affect yours too. Love God with everything you have. It'll probably affect our outlook on life. When I love God, nothing, you know, with, with everything, it, nothing's going to get in the way of my public worship of Him. I'm, I'm going to be at church more often. I'm here actually every Sunday, uh, almost. I'm speaking for you, all right? <laughs> you know, and that doesn't mean we don't take vacations and take some time. But you know what? You know where God's heart is, and it's with His people in a place of worship on a Sunday maybe during the week sometime, connecting with the body of Christ. Not just to be, you know, we four no more, but to be energized and revitalized, to be refreshed in his presence, to be healed, to be the source of healing. Maybe God's called you today to lay your hand on somebody's shoulder and you walk where you don't know it, but God healed that person through you. That's exciting. That's why we gather. We're part of a body. Just, just, just try to leave your foot at home tomorrow morning. It doesn't work that way. Your big toe even is important. You've stubbed your little toe and it just causes sheer pain. Every part of Christ's body is of great value. And that's the picture we get in his scripture, that we're part of that body. Love God. Um, private worship, unplug and sit at his feet. 
Read God's word and prayer. And then love my neighbor. I'll just say this. Starts with those closest to you. Draw a circle around your life. Those inside, your spouse, your your fiance, your, your, your children, your parents. Love well. Love the body of Christ well. But don't keep it here. Love your neighborhood well. Love your city well. Love your nation well. Love the nations well. That's a neighbor. Let's be neighborly this year. Let's be neighborly as a church in 2020, 21, and throughout the whole decade. Let's increase our reputation that people say, man, they are good neighbors. That church shows up everywhere. They're helping to clothe the kids and provide resources at the beginning of school. They're having neighborhood get-togethers. They're just opening their doors for neighbors who are frustrated at the F-35s coming to town. You know, whatever it is, just let's just love our neighborhood and our neighbors well and love God. Two greatest enemies of time are regrets for the things we did in the past and anxiety about what will happen to us in the future. Many of us are either living in the past or in the future. Someone said, life is what happens to you while you're making plans to do something else. Don't miss it. Something's going to happen to you while you're making plans for tomorrow or next week or that family reunion or that get-together in the office. Life right now is happening. Why? Because the author of life fills us with his spirit daily. The Holy Spirit is at work in us, and he's waiting to create life right in the space that you're in. Stand with me, would you please? I want to pray this prayer over you. And it's one I'd written down 15 years ago. And I don't even know where I got it. But I like it because it's a good picture of what I long for you and for myself for the days ahead as we enter into a new season. Lord, I pray that during this new year that you'd fill us with happiness and keep our hearts sweet. Lord, you give us enough trials to keep us strong. Lord, you give us enough sorrow to keep us human. <laughs> enough hope to keep us happy. Lord, enough failure to keep, keep, keep us humble. Lord, I pray that you give us enough success create energy and eagerness, Lord, that you give us enough friends to give, give us comfort, and Lord, enough wealth to meet every need, and to meet the needs that you have in front of us, Lord, to help meet. Lord, give us enough enthusiasm to, to allow us to look forward to tomorrow with joy and anticipation, and enough determination to make each day better than the day before. Ask this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridgeway.church.